Well, good morning. Welcome to Springbrook Church. We're so glad that you're with us this morning. Whether you're in person or online, we uh, hope that you feel like this is a place that you can feel connected, and uh, we want to welcome you. Thank you for being with us. So I walked out this morning, and my wife goes, is, is that what you're going to wear? <laughs> I said, well, yeah, what's wrong? I said, I know I'm working on my COVID-20 still, but she said, yeah, but it's flannel. I said, yeah, but it's fall. And I got up here this morning, and I started working, and all of a sudden, it's getting a little warm. I'm rolling up my sleeves. I'm thinking, well, maybe I should have waited on the flannel. <laughs> It's almost. I love fall. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to, uh, to fall. And we are in a series through 1 John called From the Beginning. And we have seven more weeks um, to go in 1 John. And I know many of you have jumped into a small group. And so uh, if you're in a small group, I hope that you are enjoying that experience. It's been exciting to hear uh, some of the stories of where God has been at work. If you're not in a small group and you're new to Springbrook, we're glad you're with us through this series as well. Even if you're not in a small group, I want to encourage you. We have some study guides available at the ministry center counter um, in the lobby. Uh, you can make arrangements to stop by the office uh, during the week and pick one up. But we want to encourage you to go through this, this series with us using that study guide. It's got some great resources in there for you, some great things for you to be able to uh, follow along with. And then also, I just want to let you know if, uh, if you're interested, I've started a, uh, it's a 45-day journey uh, through First John. And so if you want to join me on our, our reading plan through First John, you can go to springbrook.org slash First John. You can find this on our website, any of the links as well. And so it'll be a fun way for us to be able to read through First John together as a place for you to make some comments. And so we want to encourage you uh, to get connected and enjoy uh, the fullness of what this series um, looks like and how much fun we're going to have with it. Well, this happened to me last week. So this is my baby daughter. I'm not kidding you. She's twin B, so she was the last one. And so I've got an older daughter that's still, it's a missionary that's working in worship. And so three of my four daughters are married. And for some reason, this one hit a little bit harder for me. And so this is my daughter, Maori, and her new husband, Derek. That's my new son-in-law. Went from having four girls to, I know, right? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Pray for me. <laughs> Went from having four girls to having some son-in-laws now. So that's been fun. I was walking Maori down the aisle towards Derek. And uh, she got married last Sunday. It was September 26th at 4 p.m. I'm walking her down the aisle, and it just something was just pulling at my heart. And all of a sudden, this image popped into my mind of the glimpse that Christ had for his church. In Ephesians 5, it says the, the church is presented without blemish before Christ and his church. So I was thinking about the love that Christ has for the church. The love that he has for my kids. He loves my kids more than I do. And I'm just thinking about the love that God has for us. And it really brought me some comfort. But I was just thinking through the importance of who we are called to be together as the body of Christ. At this point, I want to ask you a question. Is there any doubt in your mind this morning? Just raise your hand if you have any doubt in your mind that my daughter got married last week. Is there any doubt in your mind that she got married? How many of you are there? Raise your hands. So none of you were there, and you have no doubt that my daughter got married. That's interesting, isn't it? Why is that? You know, if you weren't there, how do you know that it even happened, right? You know, there's a sense of awe that I get, just like I was walking Mary down the aisle. This sense of awe that came upon me as I was thinking about the reality of what we have in Scripture. 
In 2019, we were going through some ministry changes, and I was really praying that the Holy Spirit would pour himself out on our congregation. He would lead us into what God would have for us. And, and as we moved into 2020, I was really praying for just a sense of unity, that God would draw us together as we continued to live out the plans that God had for us as the body of Christ. And it really served us well through COVID, right? So we were praying for the sense of the Holy Spirit. We were praying for a sense of unity during those two years during COVID, and it really served us well. As we moved into the year 2021, I've been really praying for a sense of awe that would come over our congregation. Because it's that sense of awe and what God's doing in us that other people are attracted to that. They want to be a part of that. The Lord adds to the number of those that are being strengthened. The body of Christ is built up. It's made stronger, and God's God's plans are accomplished. None of that happens without a sense of awe working in and through our congregation. And when I read through 1 John, that's the sense of awe that I get. Beginning in 1 John, beginning in chapter 1, we looked at this earlier. I want to read those first few verses for you again. John, 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. It says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, which we have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and we testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the father, which was made manifest to us. And we have seen and we have heard and we proclaim to you also so that you might have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the father and his son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things to you so that our joy may be made complete. I love that passage. It just gives me such a sense of awe. I mean, seriously. Now, when I was in seminary, I had to memorize First John. And if anybody knows me, um, you know, I, missionary leadership, uh, uh, apostleship, starting stuff. There's some things that just really excite me. You can drop me in the middle of a jungle in Uganda. You can drop me in India. And I'm going to have a blast. It just sounds like so much fun. Or you can, uh, the idea of starting a new church. I love the idea of starting up a new church. Or maybe tackling a major ministry project together. It sounds so good. But, but don't ask me to memorize anything. <laughs> it, just doesn't, it just doesn't go in. You know, I work so hard. I'm trying to learn. Laura Forever is such a blessing. She's our connections director. She does a great job helping us get our visitors connected. And sometimes, if, I, and if a name goes in wrong, man, I'm in trouble. But I work really hard at trying to learn people's names. I care about people. I want people to feel welcomed. And, but memorization is not my strong point. <laughs> but I had to memorize First John And I tell you, it has served me so well. And what started out as drudgery now gives me such a sense of awe. That which was from the beginning. Jesus Christ was preexistent. He came down as Emmanuel. That's what we're going to be looking at this Christmas. We're going to be looking at a series through the book of John as we think about the fact that Jesus was with God in the beginning and came down to us. He was from the beginning. We have seen him. We have heard him. With our eyes, we have looked upon him. We've studied him. It wasn't just that I saw him with my eyes, but we looked at him, we studied him, we reflected, we touched him with our hands, and we testify to what we've seen. And we proclaim to you the eternal life that we saw so that you may have fellowship with us, fellowship with the Father, the Son, Jesus Christ. We're writing so that our joy may be made complete. That should be an awe-inspiring passage for you. Because what that says is, The Bible is trustworthy. You can trust it. It's true. Just like you can believe that my daughter Mallory was married, you can believe that Jesus Christ is God, that he died on the cross from our sins, and and you can know him fully. 
that should bring up and well up within us a sense of awe. John was with Jesus for three years, saw miracles, heard Jesus' teaching, saw him die, come back to life. He understood that he was God, that he forgives sins, and he would be returning to us. And then he wrote us this letter that we're looking at. And we can know him in a personal way. It is trustworthy and it is true. This morning, we're going to look at how we can stand firm in our faith, stand against the deceivers and against the schemers that would, that would undermine our faith. We're going to look at what it means to stand firm in our faith. And if you're going to stand firm in your faith this morning, you have to understand first that you have a faith that is rooted in the reality of Scripture. Our faith is rooted in Scripture. It doesn't matter what I believe. It doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter what your neighbor believes. Our faith is rooted in the reality of what we find in Scripture. And John opens his letter with that reality. And by the time we get to chapter 2, he's very concerned that we would continue to be alert to what he calls liars and deceivers that have gone out into the world. And there's three principles for standing firm in our faith that we're going to look at this morning. The first one is, is that we have a faith that is rooted in the truth of Scripture. You brought your Bible with you. We're in John, First John, uh, chapter two. We're beginning with verse eighteen this morning. You can uh, listen along with me as I read this, or you can follow along in your Bible. If you're watching with us online, there's a really cool feature down at the bottom. It says Bible. You can click that, and it actually opens up an online Bible, and so you can read along there. You can take notes, and so. But I would encourage you um, to listen along as I read, beginning with verse eighteen. John says this. Children, it is the last hour. This is the the last hour. In John's writing, it's 2,000 years ago, right? And this is the message that we find in the New Testament that when Christ came, we entered into what was known as the last days. We're, We're in the last days right now. And nobody but the Father knows how long they're gonna last or when Jesus is gonna return. Children, it is the last hour. And you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. See, as we read through John's letter, as we read through the book of John, as we read through the Revelation, we see that the evidence from John is, is that we are in the last days. And we see not only the spread of the gospel, the power of the Holy Spirit, but we also see there's going to be this multiplication of false prophets, of liars, deceivers, His view of the end times is that there will be this singular antichrist that is coming, but there's a spirit of the antichrist that is very active today. The essence of the antichrist today is that they deny that Jesus was the Messiah. They deny that Jesus was God. They deny that Jesus paid the price for our sins. Those are the spirits of the antichrist. If somebody denies Jesus as God, that's the spirit of the Antichrist, and they will do whatever they can to do to deceive us. And even worse than that, they will substitute other views or other people as a replacement for that. In a sense that Christ is not sufficient, there's other things that are important. The Antichrist were once the disciples. This wasn't just an attack from the outside on the local church. This was an attack from the inside. It's a problem that we still face today. There's these disciples, they're together. Verse 19 says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would not have continued with us. But they went out that they might become plain that they are not among us. 
These antichrists, these spirits of the antichrist, the people that were denying the faith were actually coming from within this local assembly. It is so important that we encourage one another, that we challenge one another, that we're in the Bible together. This is why small groups are so important. This is why the word of God is so important. This is why we study it and, and we read it together so that we can make sure that we're aligned on the essence and the, and the basics of Christianity. They seem pretty basic to us standing here, but there are some that don't believe. They, some that will be a part of a church congregation, but at some point might drift because of a difference and what they find about who Jesus Christ is. You know, we had uh, a family that had been at Springbrook for many years. They were good friends. And uh, he had uh, invited them to Starting Point. And we were going through Starting Point And all the languages were there. You know, I believe in Jesus. And I love the church. And, you know, I want to get baptized. And so I want to get connected to the local body of Christ. And we came to that passage in Mark where Jesus, uh, where, the, where the guy's coming down and brings his friends. His friends bring him and they dig him into the roof. And Jesus looks at him and says, you know, did you come, you know, your sins are forgiven. The guy had come to, to be healed and Jesus forgives his sins. The Pharisees hear it. And uh, that's why he actually got crucified because he was blaspheming. He was claiming to be God. And so we got to that passage and all of a sudden we talked about the importance of believing that Jesus is God and it got quiet. It's like, well, you believe Jesus is God, right? Well, no, I'm not sure that's what I believe. And as we unpacked a little bit more, he started to share with me some of the basics of what he had learned coming up in the Mormon church. You know, there are, there are people that call themselves Christians. There are Christians, there are sects, there are people that come to church. Not everybody believes that Jesus Christ is God. And that's an important because if Jesus is not God, then we are still dead in our sins. We're, there's no forgiveness unless Christ is God because it's only God alone that can forgive our sins. And so that's a fundamental of our faith. And so some of the things that we take for granted are not shared among everyone. You know, if we're going to stand firm in our faith, we have to have a faith that is, is rooted in Scripture. It's critical to understanding how we can stand against the schemes of the evil one, how we can stand against these antichrists. It's absolutely imperative that we have a faith that is rooted in Scripture. John writes in uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 21, I'm writing to you not because you know the truth, but because you do know it and because there's no lie in the truth. Then he says down in verse 24, let, let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. That what if you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will be able to abide in the Son and in the Father. And so as, we, as John sets up for us the importance of being rooted in our faith and who Jesus is and, and the reality of Scripture, he also sets up for us the importance of being rooted in God's Word. In verse 21, he says, I'm writing to you not because you know the truth, because you do know it. Who is the liar but he who denies Jesus is the Christ? That's the Antichrist, not the one who denies Jesus is the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Verse 24, let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will be able to abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has made to us, eternal life. You see, God loves the world but only those that have placed their faith in him does he give the right, the ability to be called children of God. God loves everyone, but there's a fundamental understanding that we have to have about who Jesus is. And John says he's not writing because they, because they don't know the truth. He's saying, look, I know you already get this. I'm writing to you, not because you don't know it. I already know you know it. 
because there's no why in the truth. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. I'm writing you to encourage you in your faith. You know the basics of the faith. Don't, let the, don't be distracted by what's going on out there. There's so much freedom that comes from entering into a conversation with others that don't hold our beliefs when we can turn to Scripture. It's the basics of the Christian faith. There's only a few things that you need to know about being a Christ follower. Jesus is God, that he died on the cross for your sins, that if you publicly confess that, if you believe that in your heart, that the Holy Spirit enters into you and you are changed and you become a Christ follower. And it's from that point that you begin to grow in your spiritual journey. That is what you need to know. And that's what John is writing to them. He's, look, what you heard from the beginning, abide in that. If you will abide in that, that's where your security will come from. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you will also abide in the Son and in the Father. The fundamentals of the faith are critical. If you know that Jesus, if you know the truth about Jesus Christ, if you know you have a relationship with him, then you know everything there is that you need to know. You know, raise your hand if you think you know everything about Jesus. Do you know everything about him? <laughs> Nobody knows everything about him. I've been studying, I've been through seminary, I love Greek and Hebrew, systematic theology, and I'm not kidding. there's not a day that I don't pick this up that I don't learn something. You know, in John 21, verse 25, it says, there are many things that Jesus did. If every one of them were to be written down, the world itself could not contain the books that were written. I mean, there's things that we don't know about him that aren't even written down. You can't, you can't even find them out. In John 9, 25, the blind man says, look, whether this guy's a sinner or not, I do not know. But what I do know was I, I was blind and now I see. Jesus Christ has changed my life. That's the fundamental of the faith. In 1 Corinthians 13, 10, it talks about the fact that when Jesus returns, our partial knowledge is going to pass away and we're going to be in God's presence and we're going to know everything that he knows. We're going to be made perfect when Jesus returns. And in the meantime, we're we're in the, in the basics of our faith. We're growing in our faith. We're being conformed in the image of his son and we're growing in faith until that point that we stand before him or he returns. The most important thing that you can understand about the Christian faith is who Jesus is and what his death on the cross accomplished for us. That's what we celebrated with communion this morning. We're celebrating the fact that Jesus has died on the cross for our sins. You know, and this is why starting point uh, is so important to us you know, starting point is an opportunity for us to talk about who is Jesus. It's an opportunity for us to talk about what is a disciple. It's an opportunity for us to talk about the purpose of the church and what we're supposed to be doing. It's, it's the basics of the faith and who we are called to be together and saying that we are on mission and in agreement with that. You know, membership is not just a, it's not just a piece of paper or just a, you know, just something that you sign to get it over with. You know, my my daughter, Mallory, stood before Derek and they entered into a covenant relationship with one another. And then I looked at Derek. I looked him right in the eye too. <laughs> if you're watching, hi, Derek. Do you promise to take Mallory till, he, I didn't say till death you part. As long as you both shall live. <laughs> and they did. They exchanged these vows and then they, then they exchanged rings as a token of their promise for them. That covenant commitment is what drew them to one another and made them married. 
And when people go through their starting point class, it's an opportunity for them to get to hear a little bit about our ministry, but it's an opportunity also for people to say, hey, look, this is a church I want to be connected with. I'm making a covenant commitment to be a part of furthering the mission and the vision that God has for this church. And then we're making a covenant commitment to you to to help you grow in your faith and to help you experience the fullness of life and to become all that God has designed you to be. He's given you a spiritual gift for the purpose of building up the body of Christ so that you can complete the work that God has prepared in advance for you to do. And so we want to help people get connected to God, get connected to the body of Christ. We want them to grow in their faith through the study and the application of God's word in their life. We want to help them to understand their spiritual gifts so that they can be a part of God's plan for reaching the world and impacting our community, our region, and our world for Christ. It's important that we agree upon the basics. And there's only like 13 basics. I mean, our statement of faith's got 13 things in it. And they just say, we just say to each other, hey, these things are important to us. And we're in agreement about that. And they're critical because if we don't talk about them, if we're not clear about what they are, then we are at risk of being deceived, about blowing, being blown around. And so it is so important that we understand the fundamentals of the faith. Did you know that when you read the Bible, you're not going to discover anything new from God? There are things that might be new to you, because you didn't know them, which is why we study the Bible. It's important that we study the Bible. But there is nothing new that God has for us that is not already contained in these books. There are no modern day prophets writing God's word for us. There are no apostles writing God's word for us. Prophecy is not giving people something new from God. Being able to be prophetic is is teaching. It's the ability to say, here's a passage and this is what it means. And so Prophecy being prophetic is nothing more than expounding on something that God has already given us. There's nothing new. This book has everything in it that we need to know to have a relationship with God, to understand the purpose for which God has us, and to be a part of accomplishing his plans for us. There's nothing new from God, but there might be something new from us, which is why it's so important that we study it. You know, if we are going to stand firm in our faith, if we're not going to be deceived, then we have to have a faith that is firmly rooted in Scripture. The second thing that we need to do is we need to test all things against Scripture. And so everything that you see, everything that you hear, anything that somebody says needs to be tested against Scripture. You know, I love talking to people about different, you know, ideas about, you know, theology and, you know, who God is and who Jesus is. And, but you know, what's funny. I've gotten to the point now where I, I always will say to people, and this is where it breaks down. It's like, Hey, that's a great idea. Why don't we get together and let's take a look at some Bible passages for that. And it's like, I'm not sure if I have time for that. I just wanted your opinion. Well, that's okay. I mean, I've got an opinion. Everybody's got one of those, right? But at the end of the day, we have to test everything against what we find in scripture. If I say anything to you today that you don't find in Scripture, let me know. I think our elder board's going to be right on top of me. I know our pastoral staff will be on top of me. We, 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 we covet and we, we watch each other. It's important that we speak truth. And we have to test everything against Scripture. If we don't, then we're not standing firm and we're at risk of being deceived. The Word of God and the work of the Holy Spirit protects us from deception. It protects us as we test all things, and it leads us into eternal life. Being in verse 26, John says this, I'm writing these things 
to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you have received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. Not that you should teach you. There's nothing new that you need to know. There's no need for anyone to teach you anything new. You already have what you need to know in Christ. But as his anointing teaches you about everything, as we learn and study scripture together, the things that are true, it's not a lie. Just as he has taught you and is teaching you, we need to continue to abide and remain in him. Now, little children, abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. We have nothing to be concerned about about the coming of Christ. We have nothing to be concerned about when we die. When we die, if you have a relationship with Christ, you can know with full assurance that you are going to spend eternity in heaven. You're going to be in God's presence immediately. And that's something to celebrate. You don't need to shrink back and be in shame when you meet him or when he comes because of the security that you have in your relationship with him. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. Chapter 3, verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What will be has not yet appeared, but what we know, what will appear, will be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. And who everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself and is pure. What John's writing about here is not just the importance of being rooted in faith, but making sure that we're testing everything that we hear against Scripture, using Scripture, and the power of the Holy Spirit. So the most important things that we need to see in this passage really came from verse 20. You have been anointed by the Holy One, and you have all the knowledge that you need to know to be secure in who you are in Christ, and to not be deceived, and to stand firm in your faith. You have been anointed Verse 27, the anointing that you received from him abides in you. You have the Holy Spirit in you. He abides in you and you have no need that anyone should teach you. There's nothing else you need to know about Christ. If you have a relationship with Christ, if you've asked Christ to come into your heart, if you have a relationship with him, there is nothing else that somebody needs to teach you. There's more to learn about the Bible, but with regard to how to have a relationship with Christ, there's nothing more that you need. As his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as he has taught you, you need to abide in him. In contrast with those false teachers in verses 18 and 19, John reassures every believer that they have been anointed with the knowledge of truth and they have everything that they need to have to have a relationship with him. That anointing of the Spirit of God was poured out by Jesus, who is referred to as the Holy One, and it's poured out on all of those that have come to faith in Him. The Spirit of God is external in the life of a non-believer. If you do not have a relationship with Christ, the Holy Spirit is outside of you. When you ask Christ to come into your life and you believe that Jesus is God, that He died on the cross for your sins, and you ask Him to come into your life, He does. It's a promise. The Holy Spirit comes into you and takes residence. And you are anointed. And as a result of this anointing, we don't need anyone else to give us any new information about Christ beyond what we have heard from the beginning. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul writes this, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, 
the good news about your salvation and you believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. You have been sealed. The seal from a, from a New Testament perspective is when you write a letter, you put something and you, you put it on the outside and you put your label and you seal it from the outside. Nobody can get in there. What's in there is secure. And when you have a relationship with Christ, you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. It's our responsibility to study and live out God's word and apply it to our lives and to test all things. That's what our responsibility is. And so, Paul, that's what happens with, uh, with uh, Acts 17. And Paul and Silas are in Berea, and we find uh, in, the, in the synagogue the, the Jews that were more noble than those in Thessalonica, they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Our responsibility is to test what we're hearing against the word of God. And so we're to stand firm in our faith. We're to understand that our, our faith is rooted in Scripture. And we're to understand that we need to test all things in Scripture. And then we have a third principle we're going to look at in just a second. But I wanted to, these lights just went off. So funny story. So I'm going to stop for a second. We did our year-end offering last year. We had our baptismal. We have a new baptismal. We had $3,000 for our new baptismal. We found one for $1,000. And so we're excited about that. So we have our new baptism coming, and then we've got some additional funds. We're going we're gonna to have some fun with our new baptismal. Then we have a new church planter that's coming up. And uh, on October 17th, he's going to be, his name's uh, um, uh, Jose, uh, Jesse Padilla. He's going to be planting a church up in Waukegan. This year for our year-end offering, our elders are going to be meeting. We're going to be talking about what we're going to do with our year-end offering this year. And I'm, I'm hoping we can get some lights on there. <laughs> Bethany has been working so hard for the last two weeks. We have brought in specialists. We've had these things rewired. And so they finally look like they just gave out. So they're gone, aren't they? <laughs> We're going to have to get those fixed. So I can see a little bit. It's a little bit dark up here. Hopefully you can still see me. Uh, but uh, I, I can see, okay. So we're just going to keep moving through here. Uh, but, you know, it's important for us to remember. That was a side note. That was a side note. Don't be distracted because what you really need to know Jesus is God, died for your sins. You need a relationship with him. The rest of this stuff is just fun stuff. You know, it helps us to be able to worship God more fully. But the Bible is our standard. Its role is to mold us and conform us into the image of Christ. It's a change that each one of us uh, must be embracing. You know, if we're going to stand firm in our faith, if we're going to avoid being deceived, if we're going to grow in our faith, we must evaluate our lives um, utilizing Scripture. That's what John wrote in uh, uh, chapter uh, 3. Uh, verse 2, uh, we are God's children now. We will be what has not yet appeared. But we know that when he, when he will appear, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And so we need to evaluate our life utilizing Scripture. We're rooted in it. We're testing all things against it. And we're evaluating our own lives against it. That's what the verse 2 was. Beloved, we are God's children we, will, we are not yet what will appear. We're still growing on our faith. But we know that when he does appear, we're going to be like him and we will see him as he was. We're God's children now. But we're going to be something more than that tomorrow. We should be growing every day to be more and more like Christ. And on that day that he returns, we're going to be changed in an instant. The dead are going to rise. They're going to come back to life. And those that are alive are going to be changed in an instant. And twinkle even I, we're going to become new and we will be perfect. We're going to be perfect. Romans eight twenty nine. 
Paul's writing, he says, for those that he foreknew, God foreknew us. He predestined us to be conformed into the image of his son. Those whom he predestined, he has called. Those whom he has called, he has justified. And those who have justified, he will glorify. You know, we are to be conformed. We are called to, and we are justified all for God's glory, for his plans and for his purposes. And we are to practice righteousness. In verse six and seven, John said, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him nor knows him. Let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous and he is righteous. You know, sin is a condition that we are born into, but we need to evaluate our lives against scripture. And so we need to evaluate, is what I'm doing right now sinful? Is it something that's God-honoring? Is it something that the Bible's encouraging me to do? Are there things in my life that I need to stop doing that are not biblical? If you want to know if something's a sin, look to see what the Bible has to say about it. The Bible says a lot about a lot of stuff. It tells us how to live. tells us what things to avoid. And so we need to evaluate the sin in our life so that we can grow towards Christ-likeness. We need to get rid of it so that we can grow, grow more to be like him. We need to practice righteousness. Righteousness is not just avoiding sin, but it's living in a way that honors God. You know, sin is a condition that we're born into, but sin is also a behavior. I found this meme last week. I thought I'd share with you. Adam, to everyone he meets in heaven. Let me just say from the bottom of my heart, my bad. (laughs) Sin is a condition that we have been born into. From a scriptural perspective, we know all have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God because of the one man centered, is entered into the world. And so sin is a condition. We, we're, we're all sinful and we should be able to acknowledge that and say, wow, I am not perfect. You know, thanks Adam. But sin is also a behavior. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has seen him or knows him. If there are areas in my life that I know I need to change and I don't, then there's something wrong with my life. You know, when I first became a believer, there was things in my life. I started hanging around a different set of guys and all of a sudden it's like, well, wait a second. I I don't think I should go there. I can't say that I've made a faith commitment and then continue to do what I was doing before. And so it changes us. And it, trust me, it creates some conflict. Sometimes when you make a faith commitment, you know what the first thing is that you need to do? You need to find all new friends. Sorry, that's a pain. Unless you're going to find somebody that's going to encourage you in your faith, unless you find somebody that's going to help you to practice righteousness so you can be found righteous before God, we need to evaluate our relationships. Because there are people that are going to deceive us. There are going to be people that are pulling us back. There's going to be people that are like, eh, not a Jesus thing. You really believe that Jesus thing? Yeah, it's it's a fundamental of the faith. You know, it's important that we be rooted in, in, in Scripture. It's important that we evaluate our lives by Scripture and that we test all things. It's important that we evaluate our lives against Scripture. This is what John is warning us about. If you want to know if you're sinning, look at what the Bible says. If you have any questions about what the Bible says, ask a trusted friend. You know, you can ask me or one of the other pastors or your small group leader. Say, hey, this is kind of what's going on in my life. Hey, what do you think about this? <laughs> you'll, you'll find out. I mean, instinctively, I think most people do know. You know, if you really want to know if you've got an area of your life that, that needs to be, you know, evaluated, start praying the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, you have a Father in heaven that loves you, that wants a relationship with you. His name is hallowed. He is, he is perfect and holy, and he wants a relationship with you. 
Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name in my life. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Is that God's will, what you're doing? Or that behavior or that thought or that pattern? And so we can, we can use, use something like the Lord's Prayer to evaluate, is this something that we should be doing? You know, there's all kinds of, there's, there's no reason why we can't experience practicing and living out righteousness. There's no reason that we can't say, hey, this is an area of my life that I need to stop doing. The one who abides in him, keeps on sinning, does not have a relationship with him. No one who keeps on sinning has seen him or knows him. If, if you're continuing in a pattern of behavior that you know that's wrong, it questions whether you really understand who Christ is and what he came to accomplish and what he's doing in your life. And we need each other. We need to encourage one another as we live this life out. It's not good for us to be on the Christian walk alone. We need each other. Hebrews talks about the fact that we're to encourage one another all the more as we see the day approaching. It's important that we be in biblical community. It's important that we come together to worship on Sunday morning, to hear God's word, to worship him. And and this is a part of our spiritual growth, but it's also important that we study God's word, that we be rooted in it, and we evaluate our life against it. If we're going to stand firm, if we're not going to be deceived, we need to have a faith that we understand is rooted in Scripture. We need to test all things against Scripture. And we need to evaluate our lives using Scripture. In John 8, 12, Jesus speaks to the disciples. He says this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You know, we exist to reach our community for Christ. We exist to build passionate followers, followers who are not walking in the darkness, but who are filled with awe, who are dependent on the Holy Spirit and are living out a life in the light. We need to encourage each other in this. And so I don't know where you are this morning. Maybe, maybe you're feeling like, uh, I'm not quite sure. Uh, where God's at work in my life or what I need to be doing. Um, we're, you know, I just want to encourage you this morning that what you should be doing is reflecting on these biblical principles that will encourage you in your faith. If you have a relationship with Christ and you're secure in that, then you know everything that you need to know. If there's things that you want to study, then you can get involved in a small group. We have resources, we have materials, we've got study guides. We want to help people to continue to grow in their faith. It all begins by understanding your need for a relationship with Christ. And so if you don't have a relationship with Christ, if you have questions about that, if you want to know what it looks like, that is your starting point. And so if uh, you're watching with us online this morning, uh, there's a place for you to say, hey, look, I want to know more about how to have a relationship with Christ. And so we'll reach out to you. We'll contact you. We'll help you, you know, make that decision. We'll answer any questions that you have. If you're in person with us this morning, you've got that welcome card that's on your chair. And I would encourage you to take that out. Let us know that you were here this morning and you put your first and last name on there. And on the back, there are several different next steps. But if you don't understand or you're not secure in who you are in Christ, your first decision this morning is to commit your life to Christ. That's where our security comes from. You will be blown around by every single wind of teaching that's out there unless you've got a foundation that is built on understanding your identity in Christ. And if that's where you, if you've done that and, and you're trying to figure out what's next, then, then getting involved in a small group is important. Picking up the Bible and starting to read the Bible is important. If you're going to stand firm in the faith, you, you've got to be rooted in Scripture. If you don't have a Bible this morning, I want to encourage you. We've got some out at the ministry center counter. There's a big stack of Bibles out there. You can grab one of those and take it home with you. We've got some journals out there for you to take notes. If you want to join me on that Bible reading plan, 
uh, springbrook.org slash John. We want to encourage you to be able to experience the fullness of life that Jesus promises us. Everyone has uh, a next step. But it starts by beginning to have you let us know um, what your next step is. And so I just want to encourage you to make this series um, a priority. You know, for the next seven weeks, we're going to be looking at different passages uh, through First John. Next week, we're going to do something special. Our pastoral staff, with me and Joseph and Matt, are going to share a couple of things uh, with you that talk about how what this has looked like in our life. And so I want to encourage you to come back next week. But please uh, make this series a priority. And if you have any questions about how we can help you get connected and experience more of what God has for you, uh, please let us know. We're so glad that you're with us this morning. Our worship team is going to come out in just a moment. They're going to lead us in this next song together. But would you pray with me now? Father, I just want to thank you for this day of giving us. Uh, God, I thank you for the hope that we do have in Christ. I thank you that um, we can rest secure knowing uh, that we are rooted firmly in a faith that is trustworthy and true. God, thank you for your written word that encourages us, that guides us, that helps us to be able to grow. I'm um, going to thank you for the series that we're in. I just pray that you continue to grow us in our faith. Uh, we look forward to all that you have for us, and we pray all these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen.